Welcome back to the Inspired Incompetence Podcast, the lesser of two evils. How's everybody nice. doing? Doing good. Don't worry about that other evil. Well, I feel like it's a pretty low bar. Like, for the lesser one, I mean, the other one could be mildly evil or it could be, you know, evil incarnate. We're not really sure, but we're definitely lesser, so. Yeah. The, the, the takeaway is you're welcome. <laughs> not this again. Vote for inspired incompetence. <laughs> The lesser of two evils. No matter how you pair them together, we we are lesser. <laughs> There's your campaign slogan. <laughs> so, yeah, we 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 did some shopping last week. I bet that probably felt pretty good. That absolutely. Good. I yeah. So all that baggage that you guys just unloaded. I oh, kind we of were imagine... unloading baggage because Uhtred's got like miles to go. <laughs> He's got some more spending to do. <laughs> I kind safe. of imagine us uh, like with all the stuff we sold it's like we just see the townspeople it's a relatively small town it's like made up of all of our stuff now like you see uh, like the swords we unloaded <laughs> it's like they're everywhere now like everyone's got a fucking sword everyone's got yeah, yeah they don't seem like they uh, had a lot of need for swords right now yeah all the, all the yeah. stuff we sold is just like in the shop windows as we walk by like oh, yeah, I remember yeah <laughs> I mean, it's not that small. It's got 7,840 people in it. There he uh, goes listing populations again. Yep, yep. <laughs> this land's going to be destroyed. What, it came, it, look, it came up in conversation. I'm just... Not that organically, though. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. I'm just, <laughs> it felt I'm just a shepherd. I'm just a shepherd of this one tidbit. Okay. Just let the record state I do not like it. <laughs> Proceed. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, other than Curse, every other city we've stepped Every other settlement we've stepped foot in has exploded. And you can't prove that Curse hasn't exploded yet. That's also yeah. true. <laughs> you guys, I it's had a real Devoth with Islands feel going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it us? Is, <laughs> I think it's Axel. <laughs> it's across two APs at this point. <laughs> However you slice it. We're now in we're now in Yoli's Pond, where it's just Kind it of seems, the best city ever. Yeah, it yeah, seems, it seems a little awesome too good here. to be true. <laughs> like, um, everybody here is just happy to see you. Like, Vigil was was a lively city too. Like, it's not like everything there was all like like doom and gloom. But like, you guys did have like your specific uh, like task at hand involved you talking to people who didn't want to listen to this very uh, very depressing. Uh, warning that you had and that definitely uh, darkened your experience there but I mean even that aside you know Vigil is still it exists as like a like a military state people people there could be happy but at the end of the day it still has a very specific and militant reason to exist this place just seems like it's just happy to exist it's the climate, man. It's just another example of living in cold places makes you mean. Yeah. <laughs> That's very possible. So we're looking at the, the map of this city, and, like, there's all these buildings that are, like, you know, what you would imagine in a city, like, right tightly next to each other. Mm-hmm. And then there's this one that's at the very center of the very top that's yep. from what just eyeballing looks like could be the biggest single building or structure in the city. What is that? Is that where we're staying? <laughs> that is not where you're staying. Um, I I have no notes on that building. 
you think it might have importance, it's like literally, there's also like what these look like kind of the fields or something on either side of it. Yeah, it's it, literally the only thing other than, I assume this is a fountain down here. Yeah, it looks like Town Square down there. I'd like, yeah, the building up at the top literally looks like the big, you know, building on the hill, like overlooking the rest of the city. Yeah, it's, it, that is a possibility. Uh, I think we can go with that safely, that this is like the municipal building of some sort of Yoli's Pond where like any council meetings would happen, something like that. I'll allow it. I love when we get Joe approval. <laughs> yeah. Feels good, doesn't it? It does feel good. All right. Well, Uhtred would like to kind of at some point, maybe definitely at some point, not maybe like a hundred percent actively seeking out when it's time to get some food somewhere where you can get more salsa. You're hooked on the stuff. <laughs> I'm, he's hooked on it, man. But in addition to that, fiend. while whenever they get he gets a salsa when he's eating, he's gonna take a moment to pull out his desert card. He's gonna write to Rogyar, assuming it's gonna show up just like it did for Keisha Keish, but now with Rogyar. And the message he's gonna send is Arasni lost. Tarbathon ran with small portion of his army. We are no longer in the inner sea. Okay. So where on this map are we staying? Where's Mirena's house? I think it's this one. <laughs> she strikes me as the type that would go with a triangular house and a sea of square houses. <laughs> <laughs> also, I definitely agree that this... this um, the legend here is wrong because I just kind of did a quick, you know, quick thing. Like this section of housing on the bottom is a nice, you know, it's a nice square block, nice and straight across to measure. And there's about, you know, 10 buildings side by side there. So if, if that's 180 feet and then that's actually a little less than 180 feet, that means those how each of those houses is like, 18 feet across and that's if they're literally touching one another yeah it does seem a little love for a house that is tiny are they, are they like a <laughs> uh, they are small race or <laughs> did you just neglect to mention that it doesn't no. seem like the type I mean, thing you would forget Maraina is uh like practically halfling size but she is a far outlier everybody right. she's got osteoporosis and she shrunk a little bit <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's, uh, everybody, uh, there are races, uh, uh, plenty of races in Yoli's Pan. The, the most popular race is human. Uh, actually, interestingly enough, humans are the most popular race by far. A populous race. Uh, how popular they are, I guess that's another thing. Um, the next most common race in Yoli's Pan is skinwalkers. I was not expecting that. Wow, yeah. Mm -hmm. After that is halflings, and after that is orcs. Not half-orcs, orcs. orcs. And then dwarves, and then werewoods, um, which are, like you may remember from book one, when you went to Salaghara Scriptorium, those were the Scriveners. Yeah. Um, And then half-orcs, as the... There, and then, at, like at the bottom of the list, there's just 290 others. 
Um, but half orc half orcs are the of the of the races populous enough to bother mentioning. Half orcs are the least pop populous, and orcs are the second most non-human uh, race. And in this was it, it was boggling my mind, and I was trying to figure out why because I was like, like orcs in Pathfinder are not that unlike like Lord of the Rings orcs or yeah like old school Warcraft orcs like they're a warring uh, raiding race like that is what they do. Um, That's how we do. <laughs> so I was trying to figure out like are. Like, we're halfway across the world, so maybe, like, just orcs around here are just different. It's the temperature, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's the temperature, man. Keep going back to that, don't we? Um, I think he's right. And so I was trying to do, like, some research, but, like, I couldn't find anything. Because, like, there's just not a lot of information about Arcadia. Like, as, as far as, like, cultures and whatnot. And I didn't want to, like, post about it too publicly, like, in case somebody saw me posting and knew, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, that's Alex from the Inspiring Comments podcast. Why is he asking about orcs in in mm-hmm. Ar- Arcadia? Like, I didn't want it to be a spoiler. So I eventually resorted to sending Luis Loza a message on Twitter. Uh, Luis Loza is, like... One of the Paizo, uh, like, developers. Yeah. And he is actually the author of uh, this book. And... I wasn't expecting him to respond because I'm sure he's very busy, but he did anyway. Uh, so I just want to read uh, Luis's uh, take on orcs in Zopadl. Yeah, sweet. Uh, or, or Arcadia in general. Uh, orcs in Arcadia had a different history with other people. Uh, the orcs of Avistan had... Uh, Avistan is like the continent the inner sea is on. Orcs of Avistan had their first encounter with the surface after a war with the dwarves undertaking the quest for sky. So they were basically already conditioned to expect conflict and furthered conflict with other ancestries they encountered. Meanwhile, the orcs of Arcadia had to learn how to work with others. Uh, Per the book Guns and Gears, page 210, quote... Ages ago, after banding together with a group of dwarves to defeat a massive Gogateth threat, the orcs of Arcadia teamed up to assist the dwarves in achieving their quest to find the surface. The two have been on good terms ever since. So orcs in Arcadia are like buddies with dwarves, uh, which Upside down is like fucking wild. Yeah. Uh, basically, our... So that end quote. Uh, basically, Arcadian orcs had a much better first impression, which made them more amicable when the time came to meet other ancestries. Uh, and Guns and Gears is a second edition book, which is, I'm sure, partially why okay. Alex didn't hadn't read that bit. That is very popular. Uh, possible. It's where like the inventor um, and the gunslinger classes came from. They're from that book for two e. I see. Okay. So I. I would be fucking shocked and honored if Luis Loza listened to our little podcast, but in case he is, uh, thank you very much for the information. Yeah, seriously. And, uh, that's super cool. He took the time to respond. Yeah. So I forget what got us here, but, oh, it was Nick wondering if just everybody here was halflings because the buildings were so small. Um, Real quick, how, so how yes. nuts would it be if we ran into Reed Reaper here? Ooh. Well, he was, was he going this? with Syrian, but yeah. he was he was the uh, the weirwood uh, gardener in no, uh, not a weirwood. He was um, 
the golden golden boy. Um, oh right. I forget what they're called. I remember who you're referencing now. I don't remember what he was. It's gonna bother me. From Although, uh, from McTana's place. Uh, yeah. To your point, Matt. This seems like the type of place. If I was like, I'm gonna travel around and learn about the world. This would catch my eye. Right. You're kind of making Utrecht just really want to say, fuck the NRC, like, have that. This is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only problem is he's not going to stop at the NRC. Yeah, but will Utrecht still be alive by the time he crosses the ocean? Not for long. <laughs> will he come back to on life after Tarbefon does cross the ocean? Depends on how long he's been dead, I would imagine. Uh, well, I guess... Uh, Fuck around, find out. It's all right. Teoblith can bring you back. So if you die of old age, Teoblith will just bring you back to wait. <laughs> you actually you think he would actually care about or value me enough to do that? <laughs> I mean, I could use a zombie I butler. T- I could see Teoblith uh, bringing someone back to life out of principle. <laughs> yeah. So, what do you guys do when you're done shopping? I know Uhtred said he was gonna seek out the nearest uh, salsa hut. What's everybody else doing? Teoblith's basically just wandering the city, just taking notes and observations on what he is seeing, because this is just, this is basically like an alien culture to him. Yeah. Especially seeing just full-on orcs walking around and no one's running in fear from them. (laughs) That alone would warrant a couple hours just observing, just to do like, what the fuck is happening here? What is this place? (laughs) <laughs> it's people getting along what fresh hell have I been brought to <laughs> <laughs> I uh I think the Elias will check out their graveyard <laughs> okay see what that's like make sure it's all up to snuff you can learn a lot about uh, a culture by how they treat their dead yeah yep. that's also what he's good at yeah yep. yeah you have to look around for a little bit but you you eventually find their their cemetery, and it's I honestly it's just kind of matching the rest of the city. Like, just picture like uh, like Day of the Dead motifs. Like, just everything's like all flowery and like colorful, and uh, like you're you're used to a, a cemetery being like very like utilitarian. Like, yep. It is a place where we put our dead and loved ones can visit if they want and that's it like but the cemetery here is almost like a place of reverence like it is it is given such special treatment it's not a place of mourning it's a place of celebration wow the master becomes the student very cool <laughs> i take that in and uh you know i i have conversations with people and uh try and appreciate their sweet cemetery uh, how do you do that what do you mean how do you have oh, conversations i can't talk with to these people is that what you're saying <laughs> hey, you can go ahead and talk to them you but can't. they are most likely not going to understand you and you will most likely not understand them all right well, do you let me ask you this do you know any languages besides common i do but none of the good ones well what are they let me have it oh, hold on let me check because you could stumble into like a like a weird uh, like third-party communication system. Yeah, celestial, Dwarven, Giant, Halfling, and Infernal. Okay. You can probably get a decent number of people that know either Dwarven or Halfling. Why, does, why doesn't everyone just speak common? This is America. 
<laughs> it's not America, actually. <laughs> uh, they and they are speaking common, but the the, the language that they refer to as common, uh, you would anyone from the inner sea would know as Razanlani. Oh, uh, interesting. So we're we're just so far removed from where you are that your language is actually called uh, Talden, not common. Huh. Well, that's fun. As yeah. long as I can get by, I think that's probably okay. Yeah, like you'll you certainly won't be able to to speak with with every single person, but there are enough dwarves and halflings in the city and just people in general that, you know, just appreciate culture and part of culture is, you know, learning new languages that uh I'd say you probably have a 50/50 shot of any any single person being able to at least ask where the bathroom is. Sweet. How about Arginus? Yeah. Our genius is what shenanigans does he get into? Oh, there's there's a lot of potential shenanigans. Um but I think the shenanigans he's going to get into is probably go to like the local pub and uh just do random harrow readings for people. Um he'll try to find does, a common language, but if Does our genus know any languages besides I, common? I think he does. He knows a few. There's a couple of fun tricks i think he knows celestial automatically um oh yeah i think you're right uh, hmm. okay. i keep knows that he knows celestial yeah i keep forgetting that our genus is a uh, asimar an asimar <laughs> he's such a classic asimar yeah. so classic hey tia knows celestial too <laughs> what is who speaks celestial uh angels uh, uh, angels yeah. oh so that's useful and well all of us yeah Angels and like it's it's mostly a uh, a language for outsiders. It's not just angels, but it's mostly uh, uh, okay. it's mostly tied to like good aligned outsiders. Gotcha. Yeah. What's what's Arginus's intelligence modifier? Um, it is a zero. Okay, so that and I'm assuming you didn't put any ranks into linguistics. So common and celestial it is. Uh, so with that in mind, you're going to have a little bit of a trickier time communicating with people, but there are people in the city that speak celestial. I have seven ranks in linguistics. Do you really? Yeah. Then you have seven additional languages to play. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's how that works? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's every yeah, rank I, in linguistics I think gives you a new language. I think it's pretty stupid. I but like there's no good way to like quantify learning languages without making it like its own system. But yeah, like when you level up you can just put a rank in linguistics and you're like, "Now I know French." All right. Well, let me um all right. Uh, uh just just imagine me at the bar doing uh doing that kind of thing. So like it's right. kind of I, I'll I'll assume you've got like one or two low-hanging fruit that we can just kind of use to uh like if for example, if you chose like dwarven or halfling, like you can probably be in the same rung as Thalias in terms of or finding people to communicate with, or but. orc, or orc, actually, yeah, um, or orc, but or orc. Why is everyone barking? <laughs> <laughs> or orc. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> that is largely what our genus sounds like to most people. <laughs> <laughs> <as he's, laughs> <laughs> He's drawing cards and shoving them into everyone's faces. Yeah, no, that's fine. Our genus, uh, like everybody, has a bit of a language barrier to contend with. 
besides Uhtred, who has tongues permanence permanency into him. I talked to all. Uh, yep. But yeah, that's cool. Our genus is given Harrow readings. Uh, it's not seen so much as this like eccentricity here. Uh, it's not like this exotic uh, bit of like like it's not like this parlor trick to most people here. Uh, but it is still appreciated as like a form of like almost like a performance. Uh, like and obviously like they they clearly still take stock in like the results of Harrow readings like because you know there's a very real and tangible way to see that a Harrow reading has like a like a real effect on the the world in Pathfinder. It's kind of like um, a bard performance, right? Yeah. Uh, so you can just give like a straight Harrow reading, and people will be like, "Oh, okay, yeah, fun." Um, or like. You know, our, our genus tends to be a bit more dramatic with his readings. Oh, and, you know uh, I'm going all out with it. Like I know you are. And so the people of Yoli's Pond are like, they're pretty into it. And they they appreciate the, the passion with which you're you're doing this. But if you were expecting them to be like, uh, you know, who's this crazy person? And like, what the fuck is he doing with these cards? Like, a lot of them are probably still like, this guy's pretty extra, right? But... <laughs> Like, in terms of, like, what you're doing, they're, like, just totally, like, along for the ride. Yeah, that that's kind of what I want to do. I, I want to be, like, the street performer. Like, they know the they know what's happening, but they don't, like, <laughs> the way how I'm doing it is just totally baffling. Um, like, you're doing something familiar, but, you know, just in a yeah. way they've never seen because you learned it probably differently than they did. Right. Uh, yeah, he's gonna need more money for shopping, and I, so he's gonna three card Monty. <laughs> puts his hat down. In front <laughs> like, <of him>. yeah. <laughs> While we're here, like I'm wasting as much magic as possible. So, like, you know, I'm giving like the legit shit too to like each individual person. Who's, You've got like, your balls of electricity oh. like swirling around you as you're flipping cards over. Yep, yep. Fireball, fireball, <laughs> fireball. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, please leave the city. <laughs> Just chaos everywhere. Yeah, so, yeah, our genus is absolutely making an, a, a show out of it and even going as far as giving people, like, boosts and other things like that. All right, cool. So, I'd say, like, you guys end up spending, like, the remainder of uh, the day. I'd like to do one more thing with Uhtred. Sure. You're, you mean he does more than just eat salsa? Oh, <laughs> well, he, he got permanency on the tongue spell. Um, yeah. But kind of like as he... And he did his shopping. Wasn't just stuffing his face. But as he's like doing all that, uh, we're kind of joking about like Tia Blith kind of going back to like what he knows and what he's good at. Who's just going to make a perception check? Does he see any kind of like guards or police force... Yeah. Uh, You're thinking what I'm thinking? Probably not. It's a little too nice. They need some crime <laughs> up in here. <laughs> well, all right, so that, that we'll is kind of what's... show the error of their ways. What's maybe leading to this is, like, it does seem like it's starkly different, right? Like, even just the immediate reaction to four randos showing up. Like... Yep. Are we going to be like the conquistadors coming to freaking Mexico? Just it does feel like here's a bunch of really strange diseases, and we're taking over. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) 
Wow, that's oh, okay. a lot of gold. Thought... You just leave it out here in the open? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you've paved a road with gold. What are you, crazy? <laughs> like, their okay. first reaction was out of concern, not, like, in last wall. Best case scenario, just, like, annoyance. Like, hey, you were in my way now. Um, and, like, she's been super helpful and, like, yeah, so, like, it's very different. And I think Uhtred being a guardsman himself would be like, hmm, he, you know, did he notice, like, you know, guards walking around or at key area station type things? Like, just the normal thing you would see in a major city in Lastwall or, you know, surrounding areas of the inner sea. 24. There's definitely a, a cultural barrier that's making it a little bit harder for you to kind of, like, suss out know what what sort of like protections they have uh with their infrastructure and everything but um with a 24 yeah it's it's it once you're looking for them it's hard to miss the guards that are uh posted throughout the city um not as many it's not as guarded as like vigil was um but you know that there are guards and they seem like they're like, well armed and uh, they're vigilant enough. Uh, a good portion of the guards you do notice are uh, werewoods, but, you, but what's no, a like, werewood again? It sounds it's, like a tree. Person. It's like a wooden man. Okay, it's Pinocchio before he becomes a real boy. And can I kind of wrap into that perception? Maybe like what? What is the like, like the quality of the city in the sense like? Does it seem like the streets and the sidewalks are are you know good upkeep? There's not like you know, trash or like home a lot of homeless people around. Like, is it? There's a homeless like... man giving tarot card reading. <laughs> <laughs> homeless man or crazy man? <laughs> Just like that kind of overall feel of like, oh man, this city feels like it's not doing too hot. Versus like, right. wow, this this city's like really looking nice. It seems like a a nice prosperous city through throughout your day of walking around and uh perhaps talking to some of the locals uh you would actually learn that if anything it was once even more prosperous um a- after the veins of creation uh died uh the city's the, the nation's primary means of like creating magic items and other fantastic uh, bits of their infrastructure and everything, like, they they lost those. Um, and the city is still able to... It, it's still filled with... It's it, it was more the people than the veins of creation that was giving Zopatl its uh, prosperity. Uh, it was maybe, you know, they were feeding into each other. The, the veins of creation created a, uh, a way of life that let people just be happy and want to help other people be happy and that fostered a culture that didn't need the veins of creation to continue to be prosperous but that all that said having the veins of creation like you're inferring that this was a pretty isolated geographically uh city and nation but it was from what these people are telling you, like it used to be like maybe low key one of the uh, wealthiest nations in the world Freaking before sweet. before they fell. Like it definitely stands out to Utrid 
how, I mean, like his whole life, wherever he lived, it was really more about survival than it was enjoyment or luxury. And like, this seems like the complete opposite. Yeah, it really is. It's the temperature. It's the temperature, temperature man. Dude, it's the temperature. <laughs> that that might be the title. It's the temperature. <laughs> um, but yeah, this it, you are in. You know, probably certainly not a, a perfect city, but what city is? But yeah, it's just there. You can't really. You don't really see any big flaws in the infrastructure or the like just the social casts or anything For, like Uchard's almost try, like trying to find a problem so I'd almost even imagine he's starting to think this place is too perfect but I'll leave that up to Nick I'm not I don't think Uchard's quite there yet in one day but like it, it is very it's a culture shock. Different, yeah. Like it, it's like everything feels so off to him here. I think maybe Uhtred doesn't have like like anxiety attacks, but the difference of the amount of guard he always needed to have on him versus how easy everything is here, he probably feels like he's having anxiety attacks just from like just the the juxtaposition. Of his of his instincts, born from living in Last Wall, to just everybody is like just carefree. Everyone's so carefree and happy. What is their end game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, our genus. Yeah. Do you have perform of any kind? Uh, I have actually. I have to perform a, a hero card or um yeah yeah profession hero uh, card. give yeah. me a give me a perform hero check please 32 damn okay yeah you know i'm uh, reading them yeah <laughs> all right so uh a man a man approaches our genus in the tavern that he's in uh uh an orc an orc man and uh he says to our genus in one of the languages that our genus has been using uh, during his harrow readings, unless Tom has anything specific for me yet. Um, so I'm looking at 27 different languages, so I'm kind of uh, uh, about to just roll a bunch of languages that I probably Celestial know. Celestial it is. <laughs> okay. Uh, he says... You young man are quite the the talented performer. Oh, oh yes, 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 indeed, I am. Uh, so passionate too. Listen, uh, I uh, I own a a small shop in the city, and like many entrepreneurs in the city, I will be setting up a stand to sell some of my wares during the Blossom Days. I would be greatly honored if you would uh, make an appearance in front of my stand and do some harrow readings to passers-by. Oh, an appearance, you say? <laughs> I can absolutely make an appearance, but uh, on the off chance, do you happen to know what date this is? Oh, well, this, the Blossom Days begins tomorrow. 
<laughs> Wonderful. Absolutely. I'll be more than It's very convenient, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> quite. Oh, happy days. Very well, it's settled. Uh, he gives you uh, he gives you his business card that has his uh, like his domain on the back, and uh, he uh, he leaves the tavern. Yes, yes, I'll be there, friend. Uh, as he leaves, I'm just kind of uh, whispering to myself, "Yes, I'm gonna be there. Oh, I'm gonna make a spectacular show." <laughs> All right. Uh, so. Let's see, and just filling in some blanks there, because uh, you guys have been spending most of your day just walking around the city, uh, talking with locals. Uh, so you know that the uh, the Blossom Days is to celebrate the birth of Zopadl, and specifically Yolispan, after Earthfall. Uh, legends say that one of the countless meteorites that fell from the sky during Earthfall landed nearby, and empowered the rapid growth of what is now the Great Yolispan Forest. You learned this already from Mariana. Um, the uh, Yolispan's uh, people celebrate this uh, with uh, brilliant colors, beautiful decorations made from flowers and seeds, uh, decorative masks, and energetic music. The celebration lasts an entire week and leads up to the solstice, and citizens plan and decorate for weeks in advance, uh, which would explain the decorations that you saw when you came into the city uh, earlier today. Like, people up in scaffolding, hanging shit up on the buildings. Um, and the final day of the celebration culminates with um, a somewhat somber event uh, on the solstice itself, where Yolispan's citizens carry thousands of large, carefully dried flowers to the river to commemorate family members and friends who have been lost in past years. Oh, we're joining the, that. Yeah, and then the biggest event during the celebration is the Blossom Parade, a grand spectacle of floats, performers, and music that takes place uh, the day before the solstice. The parade travels through every district of the city over the span of several hours and ends with a large dance in Umbara's Plaza, which is, uh, I think somebody pointed out, this uh, this large like town square right here, the fountain. Sweet. Uh the parade follows the main thoroughfares of the city and many vendors set up along these roads, uh, enjoying their busiest sales day of the year. Um, the participants in the Blossom Parade vary and constantly change as the parade progresses, with members and floats joining and leaving the parade throughout its travel. As a result, the parade at the beginning of the day looks significantly different by the end. Assuming you're still in the city when this happens, it'll literally be impossible to avoid this parade. It's just like... It's a wave of uh, of flowers and celebration that just slowly meanders its way through the city. But yeah, so that's what you uh, like. Basically, anybody is talking. Everybody's talking about uh, the Blossom Parade and the uh, the Blossom Days, and there are some people who are talking about the giant dragon that has moved into uh, Tumbaha Mountain. But like Mariana said, um, it's that place is mostly just like a, it, it's like a dragon coming and taking over Mount Rushmore. Yeah, it'd be like a fucking spectacle, and everybody would be like, "Holy shit!" And then if the dragon just stayed there, then everybody'd be like, "Well, I guess just don't go to Mount Rushmore anymore." That's that's basically where we're at with 
this dragon into Baja Mountain. Yeah, isn't there like a massive archives behind Mount Rushmore? So they say. That's from the movie National Treasure. Uh, no, I think National Treasure 2, I, I think, believe. I yeah. think it's in the movie because it's a real thing. Uh, I believe Richie Rich had a uh, slightly different take on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, end of the day, sun's getting real low, and you guys slowly make your way back to Mariana's house. Yeah, there's totally a hall of records behind Mount Rushmore. Oh, shit. That's cool. Record, records of what? Um, Probably the Indians they took the land from. <laughs> Native Americans. That doesn't it, narrow it down. It looks <laughs> like it was you, basically... You know for a fact that those records are not in there. It, it looks like it was basically a giant time capsule. Huh. From when? Um, like when it was, it when says the... it was completed in 1998. And it was... Construction on the hall took place in... From July 1938 to 1939. So uh, how was it completed in 98? Well, I was well, like, they couldn't get the I'm wallpaper reading through right all of this, but... <laughs> so, yeah, we worked on it for uh, 10 years in the 30s, but... So, just it said his grand scheme had to be abandoned, but the idea remained. Uh, August of 1998, his dream was completed. When a repository of records was placed in the floor of the entry hall. The repository consists of teakwork boxes inside a titanium vault covered by a granite capstone etched on the time capsules the following quote uh let us place there carved high as close to the heaven as we can the words of our leaders their faces to show prosperity to what manner of men they were then then breathe a prayer that these records will endure endure until the wind and the rain alone shall wear them away you gotta spring for the teakwood that's pretty sweet. <laughs> it's probably for uh, moisture. So you turn to Mariana's house, and uh, she's got some uh, some mesa dough mixed with lard and stock, and filled with meat or veggies and cheese, encased in uh, a corn husk, and then steamed. Oh, I know this one. It's like a chimichurri. Wait, I know this one. Uh, Ariel eats them all the time. Shoot, arepas? No. Hot tamales, baby! Ah, tamale. Yeah, tamale. God damn it. I knew it was tamale. Apparently in some parts of Mexico, tamales are enclosed in bananas or plantain. Banana or plantain leaves rather than corn husks. They're fucking delicious. Our, uh, Never Wahi- had them. Dude, our Oaxican dishwashers used to make them once in a blue moon. It's like nice. they were just craving it I from bet, home. I so bet they, they made them right, too. Oh, yeah. Um, I would like to take a minute to point out that Teolith is partaking in none of this. <laughs> he ha- he a little too spicy for Teolith. He, he has that ring of sustenance. He does not eat oh, or drink anything. Right. How he doesn't boring. even take it fake off. it to be polite. Since be when have hungry. you known Teolith to do I, yeah, anything I to be polite? The words came out of my mouth. And... <laughs> That's on me, not him. <laughs> For the record, I, Alex, uh, do not have uh, the taste or stomach for Mexican food. Uh, as I've said, I am just... Traditionally, they're not spicy White hearty. Maybe not, but most Mexican food has, uh, like, you know, they fucking love their peppers. Uh, yeah. And most of the time, it's just too much for me. Even that Taco Bell, like, that stuff that goes on their meat, I can, like... 
Oh, that spice is just a lit. Like, I feel that. Me, yeah, same, same. All right, cool. So, yeah, uh, Mariana has uh, set up uh, some beds for you guys to sleep in, and uh, she says beds. that. Hell yeah, and the, like these are like you know grandma's house beds. Like they're they just have like that level of comfort that you just can't get anywhere else. Blankets they have a little bit of mothball to them, but like that just kind of makes them even comfier. Well, we have any dirt elements. What the hell do we need blankets for? <laughs> I'm yeah, already calling her granny. Like that. That's yeah. Yeah. She's uh, yeah. She's she's doting on you. It's like she uh, she loves the company. Um, Is anyone getting uh? Is anyone getting a sort of vibe like she's uh, fattening us up for our examination? <laughs> I didn't at all. In fact, I was just about to say, I think probably throughout the course of like dinner and that evening, Uchard would feel like he would want to catch her up on at least his story to this point. That'd okay. be useful. Yeah. Like we, we've kind of like, she's asked some things that we've kind of given really not detailed, like short version of stuff, but like, if we're going to eat a meal and like, be Let's here for up the a night. Chair. Yeah. Let's talk. All right, cool. Um, she, she would be very interested in hearing your full story, uh, which I, we can probably just yeah, I don't want to say that play you it again. give it. Yeah. Do you have two years? <laughs> Well, if we tell it just in, like, little parts, we can call them episodes. Little one-hour snippets. (laughs) (laughs) Easier to digest that way. She's like, why do you keep saying the population of Vigil? (laughs) (laughs) We're getting there. We're getting there. (laughs) Yeah, no, she's uh, she's fascinated. Uh, Like, you guys going to the Boneyard, uh, but, like, still being alive... She probably like, liked hearing about Barzak. Oh yeah, any like a, a psychopomp usher is a very uh, mysterious figure, even like even more so than like an archdevil or an imperial lord. Like they just have a much less uh, direct role to play in the multiverse. They're very behind the state, the 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 curtain. Uh, so the fact that you met one. And like it, like he helped you, and he like acknowledged like it wasn't just like you just like saw him in the bathroom, and then you're like, oh my god, that was Barzak, but like he was like, I'm here to help you guys specifically. Come with me, like it's like it's a a total trip for here for her to hear about all this. So yeah, she uh she listens with rapt attention. Uh, she's just like super into it the whole time. She remains very sad. Uh. Uh, just to know about Arasni and everything she had gone through. Uh, Because, like, Arasni becoming Aridin's Herald isn't even, like, a known part of Zopatl history. Like, the story they know about Arasni ends with her dying as a mortal woman. And they're like, and yeah, she died a hero. She was fucking awesome. And she's probably, you know, in heaven somewhere, just being an awesome... Uh, spirit. Surprise! Yeah, surprise! She had literally the most miserable existence in all of history. Um, Pretty much. So yeah, she's like just—it's just a super big bummer for her uh, to hear about that. Even more so probably than you know many other like just just randos in Yoli's Pond or Zopadal because 
uh, Marina is uh, an arcane botanist, which is the very field that Arasni was in. So she's like probably kind of like a just like a like, like a personal hero of Marina's. Like she's probably read Arasni's, you know, research notes and stuff yeah. that that she did while she was alive. Like that's very possible. Like she probably sees uh, Arasni, like physicists today see like Newton or Einstein. You know. Yeah, she was, like she had like a poster of Erasmus hanging in her bedroom when she was like fourteen years old. <laughs> going, Actually, like, someday I'm gonna be just like you. When that comes <laughs> up, uh, Utra would ask if he could read him. Read uh, research from Erasmus. Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh. Um. It is not. Uh, it is not literature so easily obtained, but I am sure that I could. Uh, I could request a copy and allow you to read it. I would uh, expect you to treat it with respect, and I would need it returned to me when you are finished. But yes, I, I suppose that's possible. Oh, but of course, I've always fancied myself more in a library than anywhere else. But speaking of Very libraries, well. by chance is there a library or hall of records accessible to the public here? Oh yes, we have a, a very robust library. Um, well, let me get this right too. Uh, they've got like real whole... nice. <laughs> yeah, uh, real original. Have a, a <laughs> library that's nice too. <laughs> Fucking so original, you guys. It's the one um, shithole got... in the whole town. Is the library? <laughs> <laughs> it's a utopia, but to get there, they have to be like fuck books. <laughs> yeah, that's how all utopias start. <laughs> Um, let me just... They've got a whole fucking, like, gazetteer in the back, and I'm sure they mentioned this. Let me just get it right. Alright, I got my list of, uh, languages here. Nice. Were they all decided through the dice? No, I was just like, eh, fuck it. <laughs> I took, uh, Draconic, uh, Dwarven, Ignan, Necrol, Undercommon, Orin, and Proteans. I feel like our genus is pretty, uh... You managed to, with seven, only take, like, two or three that Uhtred also has. So you're, like, widening the group's pull. I don't have Ignan Undercommon. always gets me. That's There's, like, Ignan. two or three other ones you said I know I don't have. Draconic. I don't have Draconic. How how, how many languages were there? Uh, like, in all I have player? I have nine altogether. I think no, there was like you did I think the there list. was like twenty seven listed there, uh, but yeah. it's not a comprehensive list either. Right. We got to be pretty close between our genus Uhtred and um, Tiabla. I mean, Uhtred knows six languages other than common. I was just putting ranks in linguistics because I was just like, oh, you maybe had I ranks could, to use. Maybe <laughs> I could help yeah. identify things. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know that you could actually take languages with them. <laughs> it's funny because one of them is Protean, and that is the the language of the race of outsiders of the same name that are chaotic neutral. And you picked your languages in the most chaotic neutral way possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's so much fucking info in this book about like, yeah, not important stuff, but like just it's just like dressing. And it's like it's important for like you know, like right now we're talking about it, but it's not important to the story. So, um, who is that I'm guy just, you uh, reached out to on Twitter? Uh, Luis Loza. Yeah, that's sweet. It sounded like yeah. he really knew his shit. You know, 
like just from I, his response. He's you know, like, this oh guy, yeah, like let me tackle yeah. that. <laughs> oh, he did a uh, he did an AMA on the Paizo boards once where people oh, could just wow. like like just ask him like all sorts of the most like obscure Pathfinder lore, and he was just like boom, 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 wow. and he's like. And like his position at Paizo, like basically everything out of his mouth is like, all right, this is canon now. This is canon now. Yeah. <laughs> so he could just. So I'm just. He could just make things up. It was. That's it. Now. I think yeah. that's how he did it originally. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I'm just relearning that. In, in my head, uh, Marina was a professor at one of the one of the schools in Yoli's Pond, but now I'm seeing that she's actually uh, the dean of the botany department. And the head botanist of this university. So I'm just reading this now. So Mariana says, Oh yes, we have many uh, well-funded libraries within Yolispan. I could take you to Kimane's university, where I have a uh, small uh, laboratory uh, that I use uh, to let some of my top students do experiments in. Uh, but we have a very robust library at the university as well. That would be greatly appreciated. Agreed. Oh, I didn't see you there, Teobeth. Yes, you are. You are welcome to come as well. <laughs> but it is rather late. It feels Uhtred's story was so thrilling. I did not notice the passage of time. <laughs> but you must all be off to bed now. Tomorrow is a is a big day where we... Perhaps, and she kind of like stops and like appreciates the, the, the monumental moment, where we perhaps finally take a step towards rekindling the Kumaru. And you can tell that she's she's been like kind of like a pretty pretty dry sort of character, uh, but you can tell that this uh, subject specifically like really fills her with pride, and she. She feels like accomplishing this would be like, like literally her her life's goal uh, fulfilled. Freaking awesome! All right, so you guys, uh, you guys hit the hay, and uh, um, it's the next day. Yeah, we're just gonna do the last watch. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, anyone doing the first or second watch? Hell no. I mean, Teobleth is going to be awake during, like, first and third watch, because he only needs two hours of sleep, but he's not going to be doing, like, an active watch. Yeah, our genius is, uh, uh, probably he's on first watch because he really wants to prep for tomorrow. You know, really, like, kind of go over everything. Okay, okay. So, we've got... Arginus and Teobleth are awake during quote-unquote first watch, but really they're spending their time uh, not doing watches. They're just either occupying themselves or like actively preparing uh, for a performance, and then there will be nobody up for second watch, and then Uhtred and Teobleth will be up for third watch, but Uhtred will be the only person actively watching. Like, if I hear a twig snap, you know, my head's going to nope. twist around. But yeah, nope, I, you, I, will, nope. you are fully committed. Oh, okay. You get a um, negative 20 <laughs> on your perception. Got it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, obviously, if you hear a suspicious sound, you are free to uh, check it out. But Yeah, Uchid's not really doing it necessarily because he thinks that something bad could happen. 
more it's so less force of habit and more conscious decision to not let these creature comforts get him out of yeah get him out of mission mode like this is nice and it feels amazing but like this is very temporary all right so yeah uh our genus and teobleth why don't you guys give me perception checks overachievers (laughs) 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 and uh take a minus five each on those all right so with a minus five that's a 33 that's so stupid. I got a 13, <laughs> but that's okay. My buddy Tiablith has got it all the way. Oh, back yeah, to buddy. <laughs> that was a quick turn. Uh, uh, no, I told you. <laughs> I told you what this was. I had my <laughs> eyes on him. It doesn't make him an enemy. It just means that I just have my eyes on him. Oh, I got it. Yeah, he's still buddy. You, you got your eyes on him. The 13 would yeah. to differ that your eyes are really on him. It's like Dwight True and and Jim. That that's the best way I could put this. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh. So, yeah. A few hours pass, and you feel your eyelids start to grow heavy, and you decide to retire for the night. Now, by a few hours, you mean four hours, right? Uh, I don't think we've ever like fully defined how long a watch is. I feel like it has to be, though, right? Because it has to be eight well, hours. Well, if it's four hours, that means that it takes you guys 12 hours to rest. Yeah, but it's eight hours of uh, yeah, that you need to I sleep, know. right? I yeah, just thought I know. it was three. Because in total, know. that's nine hours, so that would account for eight hours of resting. And an hour right, but if you, took a, if you partook in one of the watches, you only got six hours of rest. Right. Is what Tom's point is. But it just strikes me as so dumb that like in doing that you are literally resting half the day just to rotate say that watches. 8, 8 p.m to 8 a.m it's not a unreasonable thing especially at a time where there's I don't know. sure but that first watch there's only supposed to be one person asleep well except wa- one resting doesn't entail sleeping also Right, but canonically, we have always had it. All right, first watch. Who is awake? Everybody else is asleep. That starts at eight. That just seems. I think we're just dividing it. And it's for that reason that I'm just like I haven't really defined how long a watch is because I just I'd rather just keep it nebulous. That's fair. So yeah, our our genus and Teoblith go to sleep, and a few hours later, uh, Teoblith wakes back up, and so does Utrid. Tiblith, you doing anything uh, of note while you're awake, or are you just kind of existing? Um, I'd be kind of going over like the notes that I took today, and maybe just to tr- go starting to draw some theories and conclusions from the observations that I saw about you know try and draw the thread back as to how this culture could have developed into what we see now, and like you know what what is different about the history here compared to our history in the inner sea that would have led to such a different culture. Just, yeah, go, kind of going through that thought experiment until he gets more concrete information. Culturally, obviously, this place is Mexico, Central America. But I feel like uh, in terms of philosophy and disposition, it's, or like or like, it's 
history, like the the track it took in history, I feel like it's almost closer to Greece in that while the rest of the world was like, we need, we're awake, time to work so we can eat and live until tomorrow. Okay, mission accomplished, time to go to sleep. In Greece, it was like the first place in the world where people were living comfortably enough where they could start being like, what do you think we're doing here? Why do you think we exist? And like, to actually have the time to create philosophy. At at least and write it down. Sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm getting a lot of like those vibes from this place uh, where like probably largely in part for for the veins of creation. Whereas with Greece, it was the it was the the climate and the uh, just the fertility of the land and and like just the lack of uh, any major storms or like like too many vicious predators but the the general track and the outcome just feels more similar where they're just like we're just we're chill here because you know bad stuff doesn't really happen oh, obviously bad Greece <laughs> <laughs> obviously bad stuff happened in ancient Greece and bad stuff has happened here too but it's just on such a it's a star, such a stark contrast um but all right uh that's uh cool that Teoblith's taking those notes um Uhtred, why don't you give me perception and Teoblith, you can as well but without a minus five penalty 30 Teoblith's not even paying attention he's like <laughs> <laughs> more aware <laughs> yeah oh, barely it's only because he's got elf eyes and ears Jeans. You got a pretty elf mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where that came from. Uh, Yeah. uh, Nothing nothing exciting happens during this watch. Uh, You get to to watch the sunrise for the first time on a, a new continent. I imagine it's actually probably a very peaceful and somber moment. Uh, all of the, the the conflicts and the struggles that uh, th- there's just no measurement for that you left behind in just the icy, cold land of Verlich. And here you are in Yoli's Pond. It's warm and inviting, and it's just it's just peace. It's just peace and quiet. This place. And that's what that represents. Or Back in Verlich, it was just noise and pain and strife. We're all having a really great time. And yeah, uh, Uhtred and Teoblith are are there in Marina's house uh, as the sun rises for the first time in this. You're you're more than a continent away, but uh, so it's almost like it's almost not even an allegory at this point, but it just feels like a new world that the sun is rising for the first time in. But rise it does, and everybody's awake. So, uh, huevos lancheros. Breakfast arepas? That's Venezuelan. Honey nut Cheerios, perhaps? So, uh, Marina uh, makes you guys a, a nice hearty breakfast of eggs, beans, salsa, and tortillas. Salsa, I'm so. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that would just make a great, like, just slop. You just, like get those egg yolks going and you just mix the whole thing together and just oh, it sounds delicious 
But once you're all finished eating your breakfast, Marina says, Well, now that your bellies are full, why don't you come with me? And we can take a look at these uh, fragments of the Kumaru. And she brings you uh, out of the uh, dining room and down a set Into of stairs. Dungeon. Down a set of stairs, yep. Uh, and she has uh, like four, they look like operating tables. Um, but that's like, how they're... you want to describe these. <laughs> <laughs> if they've got straps on uh, them, I got problems. <laughs> They, they do not have straps. Uh, and she, she brings you down. And she looks at the tables and she looks at you guys. And you look at the tables and you look at her. And <laughs> she's, <laughs> and she's, and she says, "I don't want anyone to, uh, to be nervous. Uh, this is for uh, my convenience. Uh, I, whenever, whenever you're ready, I just need you to." Uh, Lay down on on a table, and I can take a look at you. I'll take first watch. <laughs> <laughs> this is the what you're watching for. <laughs> well, she probably can do us one at a time, right? If that is what you prefer, prefer, because I'd like to get in there and uh, and see for myself too. Well, who who will uh, who will be going first? Arginus. I push him forward. Yeah, Arginus uh, gladly steps up. Just like oh, oh, I get to know what's in my uh, in my body. Yes, please. <laughs> All right, so you uh, you go lay down one of the tables, and she uh, she rolls up her sleeves, and uh, we will see you next week. Okay. Oh, on the Inspired Incompetence podcast. Podcast. I didn't like Play how it. long that went. See ya. <laughs> See ya.